So you feel a little bit stressed after watching a video like that? I think, to me, it's hard to watch something like that where you see people going through hard, stressful times and not feel a little tension ourselves. Now, the reality is that we live in one of the most stressed-out cultures in world history. In our culture, we are going in more directions, experiencing more distractions, trying to juggle more activities than any culture in world history. But it's not like worry and anxiety and stress started in the 21st century. Realistically, these things have been realities of life throughout human history. I think back to the time of Jesus and some of the things that people may have worried about or been stressed about in Jesus' culture. They may have been worried about, am I going to have enough food to eat? Will I have a job tomorrow? Will my boss treat me fairly? Will I be able to pay off all of my debts? Will my children make good decisions when they grow up? Um, Will the government do what it's supposed to do? Will I be safe from attacks? And realistically, these are many of the same types of anxieties and stressors that people today experience as well. But there are differences in the societies also. Our society is moving at a faster pace than pretty much any society in world history. The rate of change that we are experiencing is mind-boggling, especially in terms of technology and how it's reshaping pretty much everything about how we live. I even think about the information that we get, how because of internet and because of television, we have instantaneous access to news from all around the world. And much of that news that we receive from other parts of the world or other parts of the country is, is troubling, and it can, it can leave us with a sense of heartache. And so we live in this world that's stressful, that's broken, and in the midst of this world, we could certainly use some peace, couldn't we? Well, thankfully, God has a lot to say about how we live with peace in the midst of a stressful world. And I invite you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. John 14. We're in a series right now that's called Fruit of the Spirit. And it's talking about these nine character qualities that occur in Galatians chapter 5. That Paul says, if the Holy Spirit is in the driver's seat of your life, he will bear the, the fruit of these character qualities in and through you. The qualities are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And today we're talking about the topic of peace. And I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dive in to what Jesus has to tell us about how we live with peace in a broken, stressful world. So Jesus, we come to you uh, knowing that you are called the Prince of Peace, yet we recognize that in our world there's oftentimes anything but peace. And I pray right now that you will give us wisdom, give us discernment, Lord, on how we can live with peace in the midst of circumstances that are oftentimes not very peace-filled. So please guide us, Lord. Give us insights that we can apply to our lives and how we can trust you and live with peace. In Jesus' name, amen. So the passage we're looking at today out of John 14 um, it occurs in a time when Jesus' disciples were certainly not very peace-filled. They were very anxious and very troubled because they devoted three years of their life to following Christ. They'd given up their families, their friends, their homes, their jobs. They were devoted to trying to follow Christ. And along the way, they faced ridicule. Others had fallen away, but they stayed faithful to Christ. But now, Christ is talking a lot about how this very next day, he's going to be crucified. Now put yourselves in the disciples' shoes and think about what that would be like, what that would feel like. You'd probably feel very disconcerted, to say the least, 
because this one that you've been following, you've been devoting your life to, is saying, he's going to die. And in the midst of that, this is the night before Jesus is crucified, he says these words to them to comfort them. Uh, John 14, picking up in verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so Jesus here is saying that, that even though he physically will not be with them any longer, he's sending the Holy Spirit who will be there as a comfort, as an advocate, to be there not only with them in a generic sense, but to be living within them. And then he, and jumping over to verse 26, Jesus continues talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus here is talking about this peace that, that he has that he makes available to others through the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk for a minute about this peace that Jesus gives us. Now, first of all, we see that Jesus is the model of true peace. He's the model of peace. He says, my peace I give you. Now, if Jesus was, was known for being stressed out all the time and just always being a frenzy and wondering, okay, what's going to happen next and, and just all, all, all frantic all the time, these words would be a joke. But Jesus, instead of being frantic and stressed out all the time, even though the circumstances around him were constantly changing and weren't always uh, very pleasant, he was remarkably calm through it all. So he says, my peace I give you. Now when I think about Jesus being the model of peace, I think, for instance, of Mark chapter 4, where Jesus and his disciples are in a boat, and it's, it's nighttime, and there's a storm going on, and, and Jesus' disciples are all scared. I mean, they're in a frenzy. They're thinking they're going to die in the storm. And where's Jesus? Well, he's in the back of the boat taking a nap. Everyone else around him is going crazy. It's chaotic. Jesus is taking a nap. It's this peace, this calm. Or I think of John chapter 19, where Jesus is on trial before Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate is asking him a bunch of questions, and Jesus has such remarkable calm and confidence. He is fearless before Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate is all disgusted at how fearless and confident Jesus is in that moment. Pontius Pilate says to him, Don't you realize I have power to either free you or to crucify you? But Jesus, in this remarkable, perfect peace, answers in John 19, 11, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Jesus is he's completely peaceful. He's completely calm because he trusts God. He knows what God is doing, and he's, he's filled with complete peace, even in the midst of his life being handed over to crucifixion. So Jesus is a great model of peace here. And what Jesus is talking about throughout John 14 is that the Holy Spirit will take the peace of Christ and give it to us. That we have access to the same supernatural type of peace that characterized Jesus. We can have that in our lives as well. Because that's the Holy Spirit's role, to take what, is, what belongs to Christ and to give it to us. And this is why peace is called a fruit of the Spirit. 
because it's something that the Holy Spirit bears in and through us when he is in the driver's seat of our lives. We need to recognize here that Christ's peace trumps any sort of peace that the world has to offer us. This is why Jesus says in verse 27, I do not give to you as the, as the world gives. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled or uh, do not be afraid. But he says, you know what? The world cannot give you ultimate peace. I mean, for instance, you can look at this on several different levels. For instance, a few years ago, there was an article in, in the New York Times studying the history of peace and war. And it, they calculated that since the year 36 B.C., there had been about 15,000 wars throughout the world. That's a lot of war, isn't it? Not a lot of peace going on there. And ironically, when you look down through history, look at the last 100 years or so, it's the last 100 years that the rate of of war has actually increased. I mean, there have been deliberate efforts at world peace, and supposedly we're living in in an age of enlightenment. But there's more war now than there ever has been before. This article in the New York Times closed with this line. It says, peace is a fable. And on a political, uh, military-type realm, that's oftentimes the case. But it's the same on a personal realm as well. I was watching a video this last week of interviews of a number of different people asking, okay, do you worry about anything? Do you have peace in your life? And one young man was asked, okay, what do you think would be the cure for worry? What would give you a sense of peace? And he said, well... I think having a lot of money and having a good job would give me a lot of peace. I mean, there probably is some truth to that if you're barely scraping by that, that money is helpful so you don't have to worry about it. But time and time again, people give testimonies about how, you know what, the more you have, the more you have to worry about. Increased job, better jobs oftentimes come with increased responsibility. And, and money and good jobs, they can be nice, but they can't give you that ultimate sense of peace because nothing in this world can. You can get temporary peace as you realign the circumstances of your life to be more favorable. But even so, over time, that peace disappears so quickly. And this is why we see so many people medicating themselves, giving themselves a, a false sense of peace through things like alcohol and drugs. That these kind of change the brain chemistry to, to give a, a sense of peace and calmness even when circumstances say otherwise. And so this world really cannot give us lasting peace, but Jesus can. Jesus can give us peace. And I want to return now to Jesus' example. Um, I think Jesus was able to have this peace through whatever circumstances he was facing because he trusted God. He knew that God was in control. And it's the same for us, that peace for us comes from confidently trusting God, trusting that God is sovereign and in control, trusting that God loves us, that he is wise, trusting Romans 8.28, which says that God works all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Peace comes from trusting who God is and trusting that, you know what? He's in control. He's, he's working things out. I can trust him. And that trust is what enabled Jesus to get through his life, too, with such peace in everything that he faced. Now, I want to dig a little bit deeper into this peace that Jesus gives us. One of, the, one of the aspects of peace that Jesus gives us is peace with God. If you were to do a word study in Scripture on the word peace or peaceful and looked in a concordance or typed it into, your, into some Bible program on your computer or something to figure out all the verses where the word peace occurs, 
you would have about 350 verses that contain the word peace or peaceful. Now, the vast majority of these verses do not talk about how we can have peace and calmness amidst difficult circumstances. Some do, but most of these verses talk about having peace with God. Because you see, naturally, we are all enemies of God. We don't naturally have peace with God because we have all been a part of a rebellion against God that has been going on since Adam and Eve. We've all preferred time and time again our own way rather than God's way. And Scripture calls us multiple times enemies of God. But Jesus comes to offer reconciliation with God. That is the, really the primary reason why he came to this earth. Not just to be a good teacher, although we can learn a lot from him. Not just to be an example, although we can learn a lot from his example. He came to reconcile us with God through his perfect life, through his death, which enabled him to, uh, to, to pay the penalty we deserve for our sin, and then through his resurrection, which declared authoritatively that he has won the victory over sin and over death. See, Jesus reconciles us with God. He, he creates a peace treaty between us and God. Let me read for you a couple passages that relate to this. One is Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. There Paul writes that Jesus made peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. So he said, okay, in the past, you were alienated from God. You were, you were enemies of God. You were rebels. But now God doesn't look at you as rebels anymore because he has made peace through Christ. You're no longer wretched sinners. Now you are holy, and you are blameless, without blemish, free from accusation. There's no condemnation that can characterize us or come against us any longer because of the peace treaty between us and God. And this, Paul says, verse 23, this is the gospel. This is the ultimate good news. Now we have to recognize that, the, that we receive this peace with God through faith in Christ. It doesn't just come to us automatically but we have to actually receive this peace through faith. Look back with me. to you, you can just listen if you want or follow along on the screen. But back in Romans chapter 5, we see this very clearly. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. So we see two different times there is this word faith that we've been justified by faith. Being justified means being declared righteous or innocent in God's eyes because of what Christ has done. That, that, that when he looks at us, he doesn't see us as wretched sinners. But he sees us as righteous and holy, just as if we had never sinned in the first place. And also we have access to God by faith. And so faith is trusting Christ. It, when we're talking about peace is available through confidently trusting Christ, faith is simply trusting Christ that we, because we cannot earn God's favor on our own. It's not through our good works, not through our religious activities, not through church attendance that we're going to earn God's favor and have peace with God. It's only through what Christ has done for us. And I want to challenge each one of us to make sure that we have that peace with God because that's where any other sort of peace begins with. There was a really interesting story back from World War II that extended beyond World War II as well. 
about a man uh, who was in the Japanese army. Can I help you, Micaias? Let me hold you for a minute. I'll hold you through this illustration right now. Um, so there was a um, Japanese army that sent a bunch of military to the Philippine Islands. And, and they went there with a specific strategy, a specific uh, instruction of what to do there. And very quickly, most of the soldiers there were killed off. And the rest fled into the jungle. But they wanted to remain faithful to uh, the instructions that they had been given. And over the course of time, more of them slowly began to die. But there was this group of them deep within the jungle who were still trying to carry out their responsibilities within the Japanese army. But weeks turned into months. Months turned into years. And these men, these, these Japanese um, army men, soldiers, they, um, they didn't know that the war was over. Now, people tried to contact them and let them know the war was over. For instance, planes dropped these pamphlets declaring the war is over, and they declared it in uh, the Japanese language. But these men thought it was a hoax. They sent, uh, Japanese sent search parties out for these men, but they, they avoided the search parties, saying there were people coming after them in order to take them captive. In addition, there were family members and friends from these Japanese soldiers who got on loudspeakers out there in the jungle trying to call the people out, trying to call these soldiers out, saying, we have peace now, the war is done, you can come out. But still, these men were hiding. And over time, uh, more started to die off. They still thought they were fighting a war. It's calculated that over the course of those years, they killed about 100 people on the island just because they thought they were still fighting the war. There's one man in particular who survived the longest. His name is Hiru Onada. He, he did not come out of that jungle until 1972. Now, if you know your world history, you probably know that World War II took place in the early 1940s, the mid-1940s. He was in the jungle for 28 years thinking the war was still going on. What finally brought him out was that his commanding officer from back um, years before flew down to the Philippines, met with him in person, and was able to convince him that the war is done. Now, in the aftermath, Hiro Onada wrote a book called No Surrender. In this book, he is lamenting about the lost years. He's lamenting about the fact that he could have lived with peace, he could have gotten on with his life, but instead, he did not know that the war was over. If only he had known, he could have resumed life rather than hiding there in the jungle. And, and for us, too, we need to recognize, you know what? The war between us and God should be over. Jesus declared a peace treaty between us and God through his life, death, and resurrection. And peace is available to any one of us if we would only accept the peace treaty. And we accept it by faith in Christ. It's not by what we do. And if we leave this place today and think, okay, it's, it's because I go to church, it's because I try to give, live a good life, it's because I, I try to, to be a good example to others that God's going to accept me, we're wrong. We're still at war with God at that point. We need to accept that peace treaty that Christ offers us, accepting it by faith, saying, Jesus, I know I can't do this on my own. I know I'm, I'm a wretched sinner. Thank you that you took my place, paid my penalty, and I want to receive this gift by faith. That's, that's what it takes to re receive this peace treaty from God, to have peace with him. That's what Jesus makes available. And I want to challenge you, if you don't have that peace with God, if you aren't assured of that, uh, of that salvation, that peace that he makes available, I want to challenge you, don't leave here today without doing something about that. 
I encourage you to talk with me. Talk with one of the people up in front after the service um, for prayer. Um, we'd love to help you find that peace with God that's available through Christ. And it's important to recognize that this peace with God is the, is the foundation for every other type of peace that is out there. It's the foundation of every other type of peace. Because if you don't have peace with God, you're out of sync with the way this universe is created to run. Think, for instance, of your washing machine. If you've ever, um, if your washing machine is like the one in my family uh, when I was growing up, have you ever thrown rugs or blankets or towels in there and they get really, really wet and they get plastered up on one side of the tub? What happens? You get thunk, 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 thunk. And, and the whole thing starts to vibrate and sometimes it starts to kind of hop across the floor a little bit. Why is it doing that? It's out of sync. It's out of balance. It's out of rhythm. It's, it's not operating exactly how it ought to. It's the same way with us. If we are out of sync with the way that God created this universe to run and created us to run, we too are going to have problems. It makes sense that we're going to have stress and anxiety when, when we're out of sync with our Creator and with His created order. So we need to trust God. We need to get ourselves back in line with Him. And, and the way we experience peace, as I've been saying all along, is by confidently trusting in God. That's how we receive salvation in the first place and get that peace with God. And that's also how we experience peace in our circumstances. It's oftentimes our circumstances that cause the greatest sense of anxiety and stress in our lives. Because circumstances, I mean, they go up and down. We, we all have hard, difficult things that happen to us. But I want to read out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, where Paul gives us some very specific instructions of what to do when we are anxious or stressed. Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He says, Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, if you don't memorize much scripture, I encourage you to still memorize this verse, these two verses. These are great verses to know by heart, especially to apply in stressful or anxious situations. Paul says, If you're anxious, stressed, then pray to God. This is an, prayer is an act of declaring confidence in God, taking your request to Him and saying, God, I trust that you are going to take care of them. And he says that when you do this, He will guard you with peace. So the picture here um, of guarding is it's a military image of someone who is standing at a post and guarding against the aggression of an enemy. In this case, the enemy is worry and anxiety and stress. And Paul says, if you pray to God about these things, if you trust him, he will guard you with a supernatural peace. It's kind of like God puts a fortress of peace around you, and the Holy Spirit is there acting as a guard, or kind of like your personal bouncer, who says to any sort of peace or any sort of anxiety or worry or stress that comes your way, he says, get out. This person, this man, this woman is characterized by Christ and by Christ's peace. Worry, stress, anxiety, you have no business here. That's what Paul is talking about here. And it makes a world of difference in our lives because we're, our lives are going like this oftentimes in terms of circumstances. But, but we can experience peace in the midst of difficult circumstances when we are guarded by the Holy Spirit's peace and Christ's peace. I have a friend from college named Bob Schaller. Uh, Bob, um, like I said, I knew him well in college. He, there was a picture of he and his wife and their one-year-old son um, he was diagnosed a couple of months ago uh, with an aggressive form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. 
He's gone through several rounds of chemo. I've kind of been following it on his Caring Bridge website. And I want to read you a portion of what he wrote on Caring Bridge just this last Friday, just a couple days ago. He wrote a bunch of other stuff, but this talks about how you can have this peace that comes through trusting Christ. Bob writes, I don't have all the answers, but I do know God is in control, has a purpose for all that is happening to us in our world, and will ultimately use it for his glory. God himself was not unfamiliar with suffering, as he sent his own son to come from a perfect, glorious existence, only to be born in a dirty manger, grow up poor, hang out with a motley crew of guys, and experience one of the most cruel deaths ever, uh, even though he didn't do anything wrong. God knows suffering. He does not prevent us from experiencing it, but he is there to walk us and carry us through it. God is the one who allows us to suffer and maybe even causes us to suffer, but he is there to guide us through it. Even if the suffering brings us to our deathbeds, he gives us the ultimate victory over it because he allows those of us who treasure Jesus Christ above all else to live with him for eternity. I pray that those of you who read this but don't treasure Jesus, and he, he describes treasuring Jesus as believing in him and loving him more than anything else. He says, I, I pray that if you don't treasure Jesus, that you will come to see he is the way, the truth, and the life. I praise God that he is in control of my suffering and I can trust him through it no matter where it takes me. So you see, this is a man, I mean, we're praying that, that he will be healed from this lymphoma. But there's uncertainty. He's going through challenges. And I know from experience from the time that when I had my blood clot in my leg a few years ago, it's scary when you have a young family and think about the reality of your mortality. But Bob here is expressing this trust in God, that God is faithful and the ultimate um, reason that he can trust God is what God did for him on the cross. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection is the ultimate expression of God's trustworthiness. So if we ever doubt whether God's trustworthy, we can look back to the cross. And in closing this morning, I want to give us a couple of just practical tips that can help us to trust God so that we can grow in our peace in all circumstances. And one practical tip is simply to remember who God is. Remember who God is. If God is really trustworthy, if he's really in control of everything, if he's really wise, if he's really loving, then we don't have to fear our stress about our circumstances because he is trustworthy. And prayer helps us focus back on him, on who he is. And the second thing related to this out of Philippians 4 is to pray. Be intentional to pray. That when you are stressed or worried or anxious, pray. I find one of the best practices is to actually step back a little bit from your circumstances, step back from whatever you're doing, and be intentional to pray. I use what I call a prayer journal. All this is a basic notebook you can get at Walmart or Target. I literally just write out prayers. This is how I do a lot of my personal praying and pray for other things as well. But I literally just write out prayers. Just like you write a letter to someone, I essentially write out my prayers as a letter to God. It's amazing how, how this fills me with peace because it, it's a very tangible way to remind myself to trust God and to remind myself I turn these things over to him so I don't need to stress about them. So I, I keep this with me uh, throughout most of the day. I mean, so if I, if I have something that's causing me stress in the middle of the day, I pull this out and just write out a, a prayer to God, just asking him um, to, to take this weight off me, to trust him with this, to, to remind me of who he is. I also find it very helpful to pray before I go to bed at night. 
Because, you know, at night is one of those times where the stresses can come rushing back, where you, you struggle to sleep because you're just stressing over what's going on, stressing over the tough, tough things of the day. But if you're able to turn them over to God at night, then you can sleep well knowing, you know what? He's in control, and I can rest peacefully because I'm trusting him. Because peace comes from confidently trusting God. Now, I want to turn us in closing to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. There, Jesus uh, tells us that if anyone is weary or burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This rest is what peace looks like, that we can rest. We don't have to strive, we don't have to worry, but we can simply rest. Christ knows that, that we all face burdens and anxieties. He says, if you're facing them, come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, anxiety, stress, um, worry, that's not rest. But Jesus promises true rest when we trust in God. It makes a huge difference on who's in the driver's seat. I think um, of when my family visits uh, my wife's family in Minnesota at Christmas time. We had several years in a row that we'd be driving from Shelly's grandmother's house an hour back to Shelly's parents' house, and there would be a blizzard. And, I mean, literally, you can't see very far in front of you at all. My peace, my level of peace is going to depend a lot on that dri- in that drive on who's in the driver's seat. I, I, I've always had peace in those drives because Shelly's dad is in the driver's seat. Not only has Shelly's dad grown up in the Minnesota winters throughout his life, but he is also a volunteer EMT. And one of the main things he does as an EMT is drive the ambulance. So he's driven through everything. I mean, he's a great driver, and it gives me so much peace to know that he's in the driver's seat, even through that blizzard, more peace than I'd even have if I was in the driver's seat because of his level of experience. I certainly would have no peace if a teenager is in the driver's seat. Um, but because he is, I can have peace. I can rest comfortably um, knowing that, you know what? Odds are good he'll get us home safely. Odds are good because you still don't know fully for sure. But when Holy Spirit's in the driver's seat of our life, we can have absolute confidence because the Holy Spirit has so much more, more experience than any of us and he is in control of all things. He is God living inside of us. And so when the Holy Spirit is guarding us with his peace, when we are trusting in Christ, we can go through our lives without fear, without anxiety, without stress. Now, I recognize that's hard to do, but in those times where we do feel that stress, let's take it back to God, trust Him, and let His peace wash over us as we recognize, you know what? He is in control and He is in the driver's seat. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You promised to give us peace and rest even in the midst of a very challenging and broken world. I pray that You will help each one of us, Lord, to trust you, especially in those times where we feel stress or anxiety and the temptation is to take control ourselves, to try to arrange our circumstances in a favorable way. I pray that you will help us to trust you and that you will fill us with peace that only you can give. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you're willing to not only die for us, but to walk with us through whatever we're facing. Please fill us, Lord, with your peace and your rest as we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.